0: I think that's one of the greatest things I've learned, that you can push people to perform, but ultimately if they can trust your heart and they can trust your intentions towards them, um, then you're probably in a good space.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode two of Hungry Woman at Work. First off, I just want to say a huge shout out to everyone who took the time to listen to, comment or download our launch episode. I'm pretty sure my mom must have downloaded it about 10 times. Thank you, mommy. But to all of you who took the time to give feedback, to send a message, I am so grateful and so humbled. Thank you and keep those comments coming in. So if you're tuning in for the first time, Hungry Women at Work is not an office diet challenge. No, ma'am. This is the show for the woman who wants to thrive at work without losing her soul. Each episode, we celebrate women who are slaying it in their lanes without compromising their humanity. And that lane could be in the classroom or in the boardroom. It can be in cyberspace or in parliament. It could be at home or on the track or on the field. We want to say to you, we see you, we celebrate you. I'm Nabilia Malloy, and one of the things I really love about this show is the caliber of women I get to meet. And the guest on today's show is a pretty amazing woman. I first heard her speak a few months ago, and I thought, whoa, this woman is so calm and unassuming. But when she speaks, boy, does she have a voice, and that voice needs to be heard. So she's a leading woman in tech. She's a contributing writer to various platforms. She's got an honors um, in corporate communications. Yes, Mama, she made it. She's an avid basketballer. And then in her spare time, she's also a guest preacher and also a Sunday school teacher. Welcome, Balin Dandani.
0: Hello. Hi, Navidia. Thanks for having me.
1: So lovely to have you here on the show today. So there are so many aspects to who you are and you wear <laughs> too
0: many actually <laughs>
1: <laughs> And you wear so many different hats. Yeah. But for this show we are introducing you as Africa Digital Lead for Unilever. Yeah. Africa Digital Lead. So, clearly you are a woman who is leading in internet things. (laughs) So, we want to know more about what that role actually entails. And more specifically, tell us how you explain what you do to Apple, Google, back home in East London.
0: Oh, goodness. So, actually I had to try to explain what I do to my nephew um, a couple of years ago. Uh, So, at first I was like... um, I read a lot of emails (laughs) and I talk to a lot of people on the phone. And he's like, but why would anyone pay you to do that? Yeah, good question. And then I had to go further to be like, okay, cool. You know the internet – So things exist on the Internet and they get put on the Internet. My job is to find things that make sense on the Internet and make them cool and give them to other people to use. And he was like, "Ah, "Okay, but I really haven't (laughs) figured out a better way, um, except that what I do is the technical side of marketing and the fun side of I.T., I think it kind of captures it um, for for a lot of people.
1: I like that technical side of marketing and fun side of, of IT. it. So you, yeah, you're a leading woman in the tech space. And um, well, what are <laughs> yes, what are some of the trends that you've noticed over the years? I know in your previous one of your previous roles was digital manager for a global fast food chain. I'm not going to mention their names, but people are loving it. Um, so. What are some of the changes that you've seen in the tech and digital space over the last few years? And how are they impacting the way that we do work and do life?
0: There are, there are really so many. And I think the biggest one is around the fact that um, the, the change that has happened is going from looking at technology as just something um, that I go to and I do something with, so um earlier we would use technology as I go on my laptop to go and do something. Yes to search, to Google, um, whereas now technology enables our lives. Hey. Um, it is an enabler of our lives. It's an enabler of the way in which we, we do things, the way in which we connect to each other. And really, I think the biggest role that um, technology is having now and will have into the future is its ability to connect people um, and to connect us to each other and allow us to really do meaningful things with each other. And I think. When technology does that, connects people to each other instead of distancing people from each other, that's when it's really going to be doing um, the powerful work that it has the potential to do.
1: Wow. So I know that um, you are quite uh, passionate about all things digital and tech. What are some of your biggest bugbears in this space?
0: Oh, my gosh. So many. how are you (laughs) going to be
1: part of the solution?
0: (laughs) Um. I think there's there's actually so many and uh, I did a talk a couple of months ago at a at a conference and my talk was about um hey digital tech people let's have a real conversation yes. um let's have a real conversation about the fact that This is a safe space. I was like, you know what? This is a safe space. (laughs) You are safe here. This is an anonymous safe space. But let's get real and let's have real conversations about... We talk about creating um, solutions and experiences for the consumer, putting the consumer first, putting the um, customer experience, the user's experience at the heart of what we do. But guys, I mean, we really actually don't. Um, What we do is... A lot of the time put what is important to our business, what mm-hmm. is important to mm-hmm. our leaders, what is important to um, the objectives that we have as a business, and we kind of go to the consumer and say, "Look at the great dress I made you, but it's three sizes too small." <laughs> it's like, But it's beautiful. I mean and I made
1: it for you.: I made it, and I'm bringing it to you right where you are. I am giving and you it can to order you. it at the click of Come a button.: on.
0: And I'll give you a discount.. I will give you a discount for you and your cousin to get the same dress. Why would you not accept it? it? Why Mm -hmm. would you not believe that this is the best thing ever? And the consumer's like, "Um, hey, friend, um, first of all, I didn't ask for this dress, it's the wrong (laughs) size. I hate purple. Like there are so many things. So it was just around one of the main things for me is really being honest to the reasons why we are creating the type of technology solutions that we are. And really figuring out how to add meaningful value Mm. to the lives of the people that we serve. Mm.
1: You really make tech sound fun. That's
0: a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm a bit of a technophobe myself. (laughs) But for all those women who are budding to be a woman in the tech space, what advice
0: do you have for them? Literally just start. So I remember it was probably around uh, 2012. I was not working in in the digital space. But I was like, I want to write so I was, I'm a writer, right? so I write. I want to write about stuff I know nothing about. Sounds I, good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what a great plan. <laughs> Who wouldn't do that? <gasps> um, I want to write about things that I know nothing about, but I'm really interested in. So I'd sit and um, check on Twitter. So my Twitter's like very nerdy. It's full of like articles and people writing thought leadership stuff.
1: And lovely quotes, might I add? Or <laughs> or Yes.
0: <laughs> um, so I'd sit and be like, I'm really curious about whether these massive online uh, platforms, for example, could be an answer to democratizing education in Africa without us really needing to build million universities. Hmm. Yes, Let me of write course. an article. Yes. <laughs> no, that, that's the
1: first place I would have started if I were you. Yeah.
0: So like. Let's just do some work, Um, write an article about that. Um, So did the research. And then what I did is um, reached out to one of the tech um, online publishers and said, hey, I want to write for you guys. Um, And the guy was like, cool, there's a schedule. You need to write every month. Um, You need to have a submission date. Uh, This is your editor. And I was like, cool, it's on. So I would... I knew nothing about tech. I knew nothing about massive online platforms um, or the role in which they would play in democratizing education. I was even writing about how to find um, real talent in your technology startup. Did I have a technology startup? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. But it was just that decision to say, this is something I'm interested in and choosing that courage and leaning into that discomfort of saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, but all I know is I'm curious and I think I know how to think. Hmm. And that was about it. So what I would encourage is just that that choice to lean into that positive discomfort that says, I probably don't know what I'm doing. This is probably not um, the space that I'm most comfortable, but I'll get to learn. I'll do things and really just like choose that courage, um, I think is what I'd say.
1: I like the words that you're using, courage and, you know, this leaning in and um, I, I think that I can think, oh, I know that I can think. And you've you've had quite a few different J-O-Bs. Um, you've got quite a bit of experience under your belt. And you've even, you've left behind a dream job at some point. How they, for so many of us younger working professionals, we get that magical two year itch, you know, where we feel like my growth is happening and it's anywhere but here. So how do you know when it's time to leave and when it's time to linger a little bit longer? And as someone who's walked away from a dream type job,
0: how do you leave well? Sure. It's a good question. So I think. The one thing that I have realized is, and it's it it's what i I say to to people that I'm walking with and um in my life is if when you are feeling most frustrated, when you' are feeling like I've absolutely had enough, that is not the time to leave. Wow, okay? because the reason why you are choosing that is because of the feeling and the emotion. Emotions and feelings which can pass, can be fleeting. So it is the hard choice to sit in that discomfort, to sit Mm. in that um, space of not being sure, of being frustrated and saying, but what is it about the space, about this moment that is really frustrating me? What are the five whys? Okay, cool, you're frustrated, but why? but why? But why? And it's actually only after that point where you are fully at peace. When you're at peace and when you're like, actually, it really is truly time. So if you're not yet feeling the, it really is time and I'm really okay, I've found in myself that it has been unlikely that it would have been the right time in the moments of the biggest um, frustration. Because also. Our our emotions are just liars.
1: All over the place. Liars.
0: (laughs) They'll drag you in one direction. For sure. um, Whereas probably the best decision um, might be something else. You might need to leave, but it might not be right now. And even the thing you move to, you know, might be the wrong thing. Someone said something to me recently, which was quite powerful. They were saying, don't think about the next role. Think about the role after that. Wow. Okay. Tell us more. Think about, so this is where I am right now doing the job that I'm doing. I shouldn't be thinking about, okay, what is the next role that I want to do? I should be thinking about there's the next role and then there's a role after that. What is that role? And what am I doing in this right now to prepare me for that Hmm. role after the next role? Um, Because what tends to happen is it's easy for us to be um short-sighted um if i'm just thinking about i'm frustrated here and i just want to move to the next thing but just that patience to stop and say, but what is the role after the next role allows you to say, actually, maybe I should stick around in this space or the move that I make might be to a completely different space than I might be in right now in order to help me navigate the journey towards the role after the next role.
1: Just on that point of what you were saying about creating these spaces where people feel, you've actually said to me, you want to create spaces Where people feel accepted, where they feel seen, and where they feel loved. Hey, even me, I want to be on your team, hey, (laughs) even me. So tell us a bit more about your leadership style and um, how you go about creating those spaces where people feel appreciated, seen, and loved.
0: So f- first of all, disclaimer, I hope my team would agree. Uh, yeah, well, that
1: was going to be my next question. <laughs> What's your leadership style and what does your team say is your leadership style? So um, our number is zero six zero nine two one six nine seven seven. You can WhatsApp us. Hashtag Mbali Leads.
0: <laughs> so I think... One of the main things that I've I've tried to do is to really be quite intentional to be fully myself um, in, in the workplace. I remember moving from an agency environment into corporate. I really grappled with, can I be fully myself in a corporate space? Is it okay that to is a big be question. my full self? That yeah. is a big question. And I think in conversations with a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with it. Um, and don't know how to really navigate, is it safe? And the question is, is it safe? Um, will I still get the same career progression? Will I be seen as talent if I show up as this me? Is this me enough? And that's effectively the question that um, each of us asks inadvertently by walking into into the workplace and either choosing to be ourselves or not to be um, ourselves or to be a version um, of, yourself. of ourselves. I remember in, we
1: did some inclusivity work um, a few years ago. And yeah. One of the comments we got consistently in our pre-research was people saying, I feel like when I get to the turnstile at reception, I leave me there and somebody else walks in. So speaking to that, can I be my true self in this space? Yeah,
0: 100%. And I remember sitting and grappling with that and saying, so I sat in the business and I think for about the first Two months, I was just observing and really struggling with this question, Um, knowing the type of person that I am, which is really focused, like, I love having fun, like, I love laughing, making jokes, but I'm really also quite, like, serious, and I can be quite, like, pushy as well, so figuring out, is it okay to exist as, as this me, to be friendly to people, and to really care about them, like, is it okay in this space? And I remember deciding, look, if this job doesn't work out, I, I still need to be stuck with myself, right? <laughs> So let's forget about this job. Yeah, yeah. I need to be okay with me because I need to live with me when I leave the turnstile and when I go into my house, like I need to still live with myself and feel like I am okay as a human being. So I made that choice to say, I'm going to choose to be me um, in, in this place. And I will continue to choose to be me. And choosing to be you doesn't mean you're just stubborn and unwilling to learn. But it's to say the beautiful parts of me. I celebrate that, and I show up, and I show up fully um, in 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 the workplace. So I made that decision, and a lot of people were not okay with it. I can imagine. Of course. I can imagine. I mean, it's a lot. It's too much Eunice up in this place. It's too much. It was a lot, but progressively, I think they also kind of. As I was showing up as myself, I think they also saw the heart of what Mm -hmm. I was about, the heart of caring and reaching out to them. Um, So that became important. And even in leading, um, that is how I lead. So I lead as me, not as as the next person. So my team is full of lots of laughter, (laughs) um, lots of fun. But we work really hard and we question each other a lot. And um, they also give me a lot of feedback because that's that's the type of environment where I like to believe that I'm not just the person who knows the most um, and, and has all of the answers, but really saying, guys, how should we work as a team? So that's something that we've done is to say, guys, how – What is the team dynamic? How should we be as a team? How do we um, help each other? How do we work with each other? How do we create a safe space for each other um, here for each of us to grow? What do you want to do? What is the space that you want to get to and how do we help you um, as a team? Um, But also I'm exceptionally honest Um, as well. So it's lots of fun, great, but if we've got an issue, we're going to deal with it, talk about it and figure out how to to move forward.
1: I salute your courage. I know that is a challenge for so many of us as leaders being open to say, give me the feedback. Tell me the yucky things I don't want to know, but will make me a better worker, a better team player, a better team leader. So how do you do, how do you manage the caring versus productivity because so many people feel like the two are mutually exclusive i personally don't believe it but i know that just managing those two worlds can often be quite complex
0: so in terms of managing you know the balance between productivity and the the community aspect i've seen that it works to set clear expectations um, clear expectations in terms of output, level of output, um, and also treating them as as leaders. Uh, I read uh, John Maxwell' book that talks about uh, developing the leaders around you. And it really is around the best leaders are leaders of leaders, um, mm. not leaders of people. So in working with them and walking with them is allowing them the space and the room to develop as leaders, their own leaders, and lead in their own way, not to lead like me, Um, and giving them the space and the, you know, reassurance that as they learn to lead as themselves, I'll be there walking with them, but they have the room and the space, obviously with the right expectations um, set in terms of what we need to get done, but treating them as leaders and saying, this is your space, thrive, I'm here, but own it, figure out how to do it in your way. I think that's really helpful in in allowing them to take the level of ownership of the kind of execution that um, we're expecting and not being afraid to to let them shine. I think sometimes as managers we get our teams to do a whole bunch of things but we take the limelight. Like when it's time to present to the board and when it's time to you know be in meetings with fancy people, we're sitting there. Talking Owning about the work space
1: that someone else did exactly, yeah.
0: Someone worked really hard to do, and one of the the leadership principles I learned in in one of the previous roles was around the importance of exposure, Expo, the importance of exposure for especially a young person um, seeing senior leaders and senior leadership and the types of conversations and the level of engagement that happens at that level makes a real impact in the person understanding what it means for them to get into the next role and the role after that. So I think it really is around um, enabling that process and allowing them to lead. And obviously if you're giving them the space to lead, one, they're gonna make mistakes. (laughs) Two, sometimes you're gonna get irritated that things are probably not getting done, but they will learn and they will be invested in the process because they're learning to be leaders. They're not just executing stuff for you because you've asked for it.
1: You have written quite a few articles to graduates and about entering the job markets. And yeah. you yourself have known how it feels to be a graduate who's unemployed, no J O B. Some advice to graduates right now.
0: Oh my. So I wrote like that article probably like a a year and a half after I'd started working.
1: You need to go and find this article. Just Google Mali. Oh so my gosh, it's like... dear graduates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dear unemployed graduates especially in 2018 I think there are so many opportunities to just do things to just start just start on whatever it is that you have on your heart um, you know I used to I used to have my, my first car was a, a, a Renault Clio, and it was like a 1.2 so it like when it goes up the hill <laughs> momentum baby you need I that I think I momentum that <laughs> yeah you need momentum my absolute favorite car you need momentum if you are going up a hill right. in that car right for you to not change down mm-hmm. you need that momentum and if you need to now stop and start from scratch oh man mm. it's a little bit of an exercise mm. and the point around that is it's easier for people to come around you when you are moving. Okay. When you okay. are in the process and not just standing still. So starting something, moving with something is an important space um as as a as a young graduate. So I attended um the Anzisha Awards, um, which are done by the Africa Leadership Academy.
1: Shout out to Anzisha. Shout out to ALA.
0: Um, And the ridiculous thing about it is you listen to these 18-year-old kids from Sierra Leone. If you don't know about Sierra Leone, Google (laughs) Google it. it. (laughs) It's a lot. Yes. It is a lot. I mean, absolutely war-torn country trying to build itself up and these kids are creating solutions to address things in those markets. It really does become something where you sit and say what is it that breaks your heart? What is the thing that really just irks you in terms of what's happening um, in, in, around you in the world and start something. Just start something.
1: Just start something. Yep. Love that. You, We're about to close out now, but um, you are an avid basketballer. And at one point in your life, you were the assistant manager of basketball at the University of Johannesburg. Shout out to UJ.
0: Yes, UJ. So
1: what kind of lessons on life, work and leadership did you le- learn from basketball? But more importantly... When you start your own company, who do you pick as your COO? Steph Curry or LeBron
0: James? I will answer the first part of the question. (laughs) I need to gather the politically correct response to the second part of the question. So on the first part, um, so basketball for me was one of those ridiculous things. I mean, it made no sense. I'm pretty short. Um, and there was no basketball in, in East London. The slummies, they don't play no basketball. <laughs> but I absolutely loved the game. And when I got to university, I was like, I'm going to play basketball. Well, I've never played basketball in my life. Um, but I joined the team and I really wasn't that good, but I kept playing. <laughs> and it was One of the hardest things I've ever done. I mean, you're learning to play, right? And you're playing with people who play for South Africa. So your teammates (laughs) represent the country in the sport.
1: Yes, of course. Why would you not choose national players? Yeah.
0: I've never run so much in my life. Um, We would puke at practice. (laughs) Not because you're like trying to not run. You're puking because your body can't take it anymore but you would still need to continue running whether you're puking or you can puke while you run. I mean, it's up to you. It's, a, it's, a it's completely up to you. If you want to, you want to get that done, no problem. Do it as, as you're you go. running and then other people will kind of run around <laughs> your situation. That was it. And for me, the level of hard work Um, the level of grit that was required, um, and perseverance was such an important lesson. But the beauty of what I learned, um, from our coach was on the court, he was hard on us, but as soon as practice ended, He was that guy who's got his arm around you, asking you how you're doing, caring about your life, buying you groceries, making sure you're okay, um, talking to you and just asking you about your dreams. So just that balance. And even though, you know, while we were, running and running around our situations on the court, we were like, this man is horrible. But as soon as that final bell rang, um, we knew we, we could trust his intentions and we could trust his heart. And I think that's one of the greatest things that I learned, that you can push people to perform, but ultimately if they can trust your heart and they can trust your intentions towards them, um, then you're probably in a good space.
1: That's mentorship, eh? That yeah. is proper leadership right
0: there.
1: 100%. So who's, who's your COO?
0: Um Mister Golden State Warriors himself. Steph Curry.
1: Every day. Any day. Any time of the day. All day. Every day. Thank you. So on that note, we're going to a part of the show called Rapid Fire. Yes. I'm gonna fire some questions at you and you're just gonna tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one, your time is up. A song that gets you through the day.
0: Lover of my soul um, And brown sugar Most deaf.
1: Okay A book that's changed the way you think about work
0: Developing the leaders around you John Maxwell
1: A gadget or app that helps you work smarter <laughs> Bluetooth in my car <laughs> Trust the techie to say that Your advice to your younger self Relax babe
0: It's not that deep <laughs>
1: Three things that keep you centred.
0: Jesus, the Lord, God.
1: One thing you do to overcome distraction. Silence. Your advice to younger working women.
0: Start now.
1: Your advice to senior women leaders.
0: Oh man, provide affirmation, affirm, affirm, just draw them close to you. They love you. They just can't tell you. They're afraid.
1: How do people get hold of you? Where can they contact you? Where can they follow what you're up to? Uh,
0: you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Mbalindandani. I know I don't have one of those cool ones. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, but I'm not very active on LinkedIn. But yeah, Twitter.
1: Dandani. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today. It has been such a privilege having you on Hungry Women at Work. Thank you
0: so much, Navidia. had fun.
1: Hey, Hungry Women at Work. Thank you for listening to our show today. In each episode, we try to answer a question from one of our listeners. And today's question comes from Rezane in Cape Town. Rezane asks... How do I prioritize my day as a business owner when so much of what I do is important and so much depends on me to get it done? Oh, what a question. I think we could probably spend a whole show just talking about that. And as someone who is still trying to figure out this prioritization thing myself, I'll share some of the principles I've picked up from others. One of them comes from my mentor, Killeen, who heads up one of South Africa's leading production companies. When it comes to prioritizing, Killeen suggests that I ask myself, which tasks will cost the most if I don't prioritize them? Which ones have the highest stakes attached to them or will cause the biggest knock-on effect? Those are the ones that should be top on the priority list. Another principle is one I heard on a Girl Boss podcast recently, In an interview with Zarna Surti, she's the editor of Tonal magazine. She says you should figure out your peak hours and assign your most important task to your peak hours, whether that's first thing in the morning or late at night. She also believes that multitasking gets in the way of prioritizing. Zarna says you should give every activity the respect it deserves. That way you get things done in a more systematic way rather than do lots of different little things and have nothing to show for it. Some thought leaders also recommend the principle of batch prioritizing, where you allocate a set time of day to similar activities. So you could, for example, do all your creative outputs during your peak hours, then block out time just for doing finances or budgets or money related tasks and then assign your low peak hours for doing things such as emails and basic admin. I also read an article in Entrepreneur Magazine that you should ask yourself which sections of your work have the most potential to drive results. In other words what's bringing in the moolah and then identify two or three main themes not tasks but themes that will help drive growth for your business. And then anything that doesn't help you address those themes should not be a high priority. My last checkout would probably be to just make peace with it. Prioritization is not a task on the checklist in and of itself. As long as you're working, growing a business or running a household, things will need to be prioritized and accomplished. That's my take on it. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation or share your questions or comments with us, join our WhatsApp line on 060-921-6977. And to listen to more content, follow the Hungry Women at Work channel on SoundCloud, IONO or iTunes. Join us again next time and keep thriving at work without losing your soul.